0: Welcome to CBJN30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Well, the prospect camp is over in Traverse City. Prospect tournament, rookie tournament, whatever you want to call it. It came and went. The Blue Jackets finished it off yesterday, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs in overtime. Actually, a really impressive win for the Blue Jackets to close out their tournament yesterday. They were down 2-1 to until late in the third period, had to pull the goaltender, got the tying goal, and then won the game in overtime. And there's lots to talk about with the guys that were playing in that tournament because there were players that, when I went there, there were certain things I wanted to see from certain players. There were questions that I had, some were answered, some were not, Uh, there were players that really stood out that were a bit of a surprise. That there was just a little bit of everything. I think that if if I were a part of the Blue Jackets management, I would be very happy with what I saw in that tournament. The guys that I expected to pop, they popped. The guys that I uh, was looking to find out a little bit more about, I found out a little bit more about. And again, some guys played themselves into my line of sight shall we say, we'll talk about all of that as we go along here today, because this is a uh, I, I could go into it. And I could start breaking things down, but it, it will do no good because you have questions about it. So the idea of this show, the Monday Mailbag show, is that you send the question and I give the answer. So if I give all of the answers before you even ask the question, it really just goes against the idea of the show itself. So let's get started. I have uh, a recorded question that was sent to me, and that's how we're going to get the show
1: started today. Hey, Bob, Jonathan Grove City here. Uh, Just wanted to say, first off, excited for another year of being with you, listening for the CBJ content we all love. Just wanted to ask today about Kent Johnson. I got to see a little bit of the tournament, not tons, but uh, I thought that, first off, the... Skill and playmaking and creativity of him jumps off the page as you're watching him play, for sure. Like, watching some of these passes that he's making and the things that he's trying to do is is really cool and impressive to watch. Um, but with that, I have a bit of a concern about his ability to create space and time to make those kind of moves. I still didn't really see him playing with speed to be able to do this, and he certainly doesn't have the physical size to to... Push through people and keep them off him to create that space. So, so what do you think about that? Do you think that he has what it takes as of right now to be able to perform in the NHL level of giving himself time and space to make those kind of incredible playmaking plays that he's capable of doing? Uh, or do you think he still needs to get his uh, game up to speed a little bit? I uh, just kind of curious. I know it's probably a small sample size to make that call, but just want to kind of get your initial thoughts on that aspect of his game. And then, as far as his center play, um, I'm curious, how did he look defensively? Uh, That's really hard to tell from the live streams. And then, from the face-off perspective of being a center, it looked like he really struggled with them. Um, I don't think I recall seeing him win a single one from what I was watching. Um, So I'm kind of curious about those two aspects, because that's huge if he wants to be a center. Um, and which we all are rooting for him to become. Just wanted to see uh, what your basic initial evaluation of that was for him. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm excited for another season, and go Jackets.
0: Well, Jonathan, first of all, thank you for emailing me that question. Remember, if you ever want to have your voice on the show, it's so easy to do. All you have to do is record a voice memo on your phone, email it to me, Bobby Mac at BlueJackets.com. B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at BlueJackets.com. Like Jonathan just showed you how to do. All right, let me get to your questions. I will go in reverse order. And uh, what was the reverse order there? We talked about uh, Kent Johnson. Can he uh, create space? Then all can- oh, face-offs. Oh, yes, yes. Maybe I was just trying to hold off and forget about that myself. But listen, Kent Johnson... He admitted it to me after the game on Thursday, the game that the Blue Jackets beat the St. Louis Blues. Uh, You heard it on this show on Friday, Uh, my interview with him after the game on Thursday. And, you know, I asked him about the things that he had to work on. And the faceoff was, well, it was right up there. There's so many things for him to work on. Again, he did play center and then he got put onto the wing and he's been playing wing for years. Uh, he needs to work on his face-offs. Simple as that. And he's not the only guy on this team that has to work on face-offs. That's been a recurring problem for Blue Jackets centermen for the last couple of years. But it's a work in progress. And it was just the rookie tournament. He's going to get plenty of more, plenty more opportunities to uh, hone his skills on the face-off. But yes, uh, you want you want to win the face-off for so many reasons. As the saying goes, it is the first battle of every shift, and you want to win all the battles that you can. But also in the defensive zone, you want to be able to win that faceoff. You don't want to put your team in jeopardy uh, by not being strong on the faceoff. If you get, you know, if you get stuck out there and you have to take a defensive zone faceoff, but you want to become the guy that they put out there to take the defensive zone faceoff. So yes, Kent has to work on his faceoffs, and he admitted that himself. How did he play defensively? At center, I thought he was fine, quite frankly. I really did. I thought he was fine. I thought he played uh, both ends of the ice, and I didn't have a problem with what he was doing there. And uh, the the time and space thing, is, is he going to be able to create enough space for himself to use his skill in the National Hockey League? I think he will. I really do. And, and it could be a work in progress, too, in some ways. Listen, when this guy came in and played those games at the end of last year, It had to be frustrating for him to an extent because, you know, he was just pretty much dominating wherever he was, getting to do what he wanted to do when he had the puck on his stick. And all of a sudden, it was different in the NHL. And it's going to be different again in this training camp. He is going to have to adjust. But what I saw from him at the end of last year and what I saw from him in the tournament this weekend, you can see where he's already improved by leaps and bounds. So he will be able to create that space that he's going to need. I saw it a couple of times this weekend. Now, that is at the speed of those games. The speed is going to ramp up big time, even in the preseason games. So that's the adjustment that he has to make. But I feel fully confident that he's going to make that adjustment and he's going to be able to to continue to just get better. What He finished with six points in the tournament for the Blue Jackets. Um, some goals. I, I thought the first day he just – didn't shoot the puck enough, and then, you know, he corrected that in the game against the, the Red Wings on Friday. So I, I liked his play. I, I really did like his play in that tournament. But, again, now that tournament is over. But this guy's just had challenge after challenge after challenge, right? I mean, last year in and of itself. He starts by playing in Michigan, and then the World Junior Tournament is held around Christmas time, and he goes to play for Team Canada in that They start the tournament. It gets canceled, and it gets postponed until later in the summer, of all things. So he goes back to Michigan. Then he leaves, and he goes, and he plays for Team Canada in the uh, Olympics. And then he comes, and he plays—well, then he goes back to Michigan. Then he comes, and he plays for the Blue Jackets at the end of the year. Then he goes to the World Championships to play for Canada. Then the World Junior Championship comes back around in August, and he goes, and he plays there. And— You know, every step of the way, it's been a different challenge. And he's played a ton of games. It's funny, um, we ran into Kent Johnson's dad in Traverse City, just along the street, and we were having a conversation, and I I was saying that to him. I said, you know, it's amazing if you look at what he has done, just all all of those different tournaments and college hockey and the NHL, all of that within really the span of the same year. And he said something that I thought was very interesting. He said, you know, a lot of people think that that's a lot of hockey. He said, if you look at it in those tournaments, you know, it's a couple of games. It's not like a, a ton. I think he said, and, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I didn't count them all up or anything. But he, he said uh, that it was only 60-some games when you put it all together. Remember, there's not that many games in a college hockey season, right? So, you know, then you add the tournaments into that. So I'm not sure what the final number was, quite honestly. But he he also said something that I – when you sit back and you, you replay it in your mind, which I've done now and I'm going to tell you, it makes so much sense that it wasn't like you were in one place doing the same thing day in and day out. You were going and having all of these different experiences. You know, you're playing at Michigan, and that's your day-in, day-out job. And all of a sudden, boy, you get a chance to go and uh, play in a World Junior Tournament. Oh, boy, they cancel that. So now you're back to your day-in, day-out. Oh, how about the Olympics? That's something different and big and new. And, uh, you know, that gets the juices flowing again. Then you go back to Michigan, you finish the season, you get into the playoffs, you wind up getting knocked out of the playoffs, which is disappointing for you. But the next day, you show up in the National Hockey League, and you're getting to make your debut shortly thereafter. Uh, another challenge, another uh, new set of scenery for you, another group of new teammates to come in and join. And then the season ends and the world championships, another opportunity, another experience for you, and then back to the world junior and finishing it off with a gold medal in the world junior tournament. So, um, yeah, it just it makes so much sense when you put it that way. Is it a lot of games? Well, it's not a lot of games it's uh games all over the place and at different levels with different teammates and all of that stuff but you know what a season he he couldn't get bored he really couldn't get bored probably only got bored when he was at school but he couldn't get bored because he was always going somewhere and having a new experience so uh for Kent johnson guess what now this is it day in day out 82 games a year this is what you're dealing with you're you're not uh, or, or, well, you're not going to do it like you did this year, but you're not going, going to be uh, getting an Olympic experience every year, and uh, you don't want the world championship experience because you want to be playing deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, this is it now. This is the job, day in and day out, for eight months, 82 games. So uh, that's the adjustment that he will have to make at the same time that he's trying to get up to the NHL speed and – find out how to create room to make those plays and all that stuff. So I'm excited for him. I really, really am. He he did jump right off the page. I told this story before, but I'll tell it to you again. The first time I went to this tournament was the year that Pierre-Luc Dubois made the Blue Jackets out of camp. But I went to see him at this tournament, and I thought, first-round pick, third overall, this guy should dominate. And he played well, but he didn't dominate. And I was confused I because I thought you should just jump off the page in a tournament like this. And, and when I talked to Chris Clark, who was a player development at the time, you know, he told me, hey, be patient. He, he just he gets better and better. Just be patient. Give him a chance. And lo and behold, he turned out to be great. So Chris was right. And I was impatient. Go figure. That's why. He has the development job. He's playing the long game, and I, I want to play the short game and just get right to it and give me the complete player right now. So um, so from that experience, I was thinking about that this weekend because we went up there, and we said the entire time, we want to see Kent Johnson. We, we want to see Kirill Marchenko. We want to see David Yuracheck, and that wasn't to shun anybody else, but, I mean, these are the guys. The the two of them, Johnson and um, – Marchenko should be here, hands down, on this team on opening night, and then you've got uh, Jurcic. Who can he make strides to try to be that guy? Can he be a surprise guy? Can he at least get you know nine games in the NHL before they decide to send him out and get further development for him? So th- that's those were the three focal points for me going into that tournament, and every one of those guys delivered, just like I had hoped that they would deliver. All right, we've got uh, some more stuff here, some questions that you have sent me on Twitter, at Sports, And I'll start with Pale Dragon, who says, Everyone expected guys like Marchenko to have a good tournament, but which player off the radar impressed you the most? Which player off the radar impressed me the most? Well, there are, there are several candidates, but I guess that I would have to go with Jordan Dume because Jordan started the first game by having two goals in the first period. I mean, he was off to the races, even literally, because one of those goals was a puck that he took in the neutral zone on a pass from Kent Johnson and just streaked in and went one-on-one with the goalie and scored it. Um, Yesterday, he was the guy that scored late in the third period to tie the game and force the overtime. What was impressive about him was it just seems like he knows where he has to be on the ice. When the team is in the offensive zone and they're down around the net, he knows where to put himself so that when the chance comes, he is going to get the best scoring chance that he possibly can. And that's exactly what he did on that game-tying goal. He was out there to the right of the net. He read everything that was going on perfectly He was the last guy that got his stick on the puck before it crossed the line. Same with the first goal that he got in the tournament. He was on the left side of the net. He just found the soft spot there. He found the place where nobody was really paying attention to him. He was wide open. They got him the puck. He put it in. And I told you about the other one that was, you know, the breakaway one. But he had five points in the tournament. He and Marchenko both had five points in the tournament this weekend. So... He was a guy, I mean, you know, he's a third-round pick. So, yeah, you want to look at him. And, like, for me, going there, I'm like, yeah, well, we talked to him at the draft. I kind of liked his attitude at the draft. I was looking forward to seeing him play this weekend. I didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't expect as much as I did from those other guys that I just told you about. And lo and behold, this guy comes out with five points when it's all said and done. So um, he is the off-the-radar player that impressed me the most. Heather says, having seen the defense prospects, who do you think will play beside Zach Wierenski on opening night? A player we know or a player hungry for opportunity? Also, who would you make a Cleveland monster? Who would you give a chance to for NHL-level play? Well, geez, attacking all that. I'll answer this question in the right-now mode, okay? This is my answer to your first question right now who do you think starts alongside of zach Warenski on opening night right now as i sit here my best guess is andrew peak he finished the year with zach last year not much has changed and you know barring whatever happens during the preseason I could see him very well being right next to Zach Warenski again at the start of this season. You know, people have said to me, well, what if you put Boquist out there with Zach? Well, they're both very offensive-minded. You need somebody to play defensive-minded back there. Not that either one could adjust their game enough to cover for the other one. They probably could. Maybe someday they will. But, again, I'm going off where we finished last year, and maybe we see something tremendously different in this camp that opens this week, I don't know, but right now, to me, Andrew Peake hasn't lost that spot. Now, maybe somebody has an excellent camp and they knock him out of that spot. Maybe that's David Yurichik. Maybe it's maybe it is Boquist. Maybe uh, maybe it's Jake Bean. I, you know, again, it could be anybody. Could be anybody. But right now, you ask me that question, that's my answer. I don't see much of a change back there. Uh, let me see here. What else did you have, Heather? Uh, Who would you make a Cleveland monster? <laughs> I don't know. If you're talking about coming out of this tournament, it's not going to be, you know, I would, I would make your check a Cleveland monster if he's not ready to be in the NHL uh, rather than send him back to check and have him play in that men's league again. You know, I would – I, I, I would put him in the AHL and, and let him play there and get used to the North American game there and all of that. There are so many other factors, you know, burning a year of contract and all that stuff. So it all factors in. But uh, if he is not ready, I, I am a fan of putting him in the American Hockey League and having him play there. Here's another guy. <laughs> I was talking about the roster here, and – When I was coming home yesterday with Dylan Tire, and I said, come on, let's look at this objectively. I said, when you look at the forwards, and let's just say Patrick Laine, Johnny Goudreau, talking about wingers here, um, Jake Voracek, Gus Nyquist, what are you getting by the time you get to the third line? I, I would say right now, Kent Johnson, Kirill Marchenko. But is Kent Johnson going to play center, or is he going to play wing? We'll continue to talk about that as we go along. But let's just say it's those guys. And then the fourth line, your wingers, you've got a combination of Eric Robinson, Justin Danforth, uh, Matthew Olivier, and Emil Bemstrom, right? Did I forget anybody? Maybe. Did I? Uh, anyway, that's already four guys for two spots right there. So who did I not mention? Chinikov. Where does he wind up? Where does he go in all of this? Is he odd man out? Does he wind up as a Cleveland monster? Does Emil Bemstrom wind up as a Cleveland monster? Interesting, very interesting uh, questions and a very interesting scenario. Because and again, what what I said is not, you know, I'm just giving you off the top of my head stuff there. Again, if Kent Johnson winds up playing center ice, then or in if he plays center, then somebody else is going to go onto the wing and all those guys I just mentioned, then there's another opportunity. Or is there? Or does Boone Jenner move to the wing? You know, it's a lot of up in the air, and that's why you have training camp to figure this kind of stuff out. Um, What was the last part of that, Heather? Who would you give a chance uh, to play in the NHL? And again, it's your check if he's ready. And if he's not ready, I already told you what, uh, what I thought would be good for him. Sarah says, "Who do you expect to be on the opening night roster now that you've seen some of the prospects? Who who impressed you? My goodness, who impressed you the most this weekend? And did anyone come across flatter or not as good as you had expected? Well, again, Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko did what they should have done, and they were impressive. And I think they'll be on the opening night roster. Did anyone come across flatter?" not as good as you expected. Yes, and I hate to say this, and I'm going to say it because it's true, and I really hope it's the last time that I ever say it because I like this guy. He's only been around for a short period of time, but I've been around him. I've talked to him. He's he's a great individual. He had a really good first game where he had a goal and an assist, and then after that I I didn't really see him a lot, to be honest with you. And that is Luca Del Belbeluz. It pains me to say that. When we were coming back from the draft, he was on our flight. Uh, we had a, a delay on a connecting flight. We talked to him for a long time. Super, super individual. And the way he started off against St. Louis, I mean, the goal he had was, was a great shot, upper right-hand corner. And he was very noticeable. And then against Detroit and even yesterday, um, not as noticeable. Now, in in his defense, the game against Detroit, when Michael Putia got hurt and had to leave the game, that caused the lines to be juggled a little bit. And Jordan Dume was a winger for Del Belous, and then he got put on the first line, and then they actually tried Luka on the first line wing a little bit. So, so that one got a little bit out of whack. I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. But um, I will bet that he comes out of that tournament saying, I wish I could have shown them a little bit more. And now maybe he'll be able to do that in this next camp, although it's so much harder now, and and time's going to be limited. Let's be honest. Time's going to be limited. So uh, I hope it's the last time I ever have to say that, to be completely honest. It, it, it literally does pain me to say that because I like the kids so much, but it's the truth, and you asked the question. Teresa says, did any prospects surprise you? And then she says, P.S., it seems like you guys had a great time. Can I address that for just a second? Because i got to tell you, um, those of you that have been with me for a long time, you've listened to this show, you know that I'm not really a, a big guy on, on sharing a broadcast. And I had to do it two times. And I had to share with the likes of the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And... Uh, the fact that it was this tournament and there were no points being given out and uh, it was fun. It really was fun. I, I really had a, a good time working with the Detroit crew. And, and I'll tell you what, the Detroit, the, the crew that did the, that put out the live streams, I mean, the, the replays and uh, the camera work and the producing and directing, it wasn't a lot of people like it wasn't this huge show. But it was so much fun. They were so good at what they did, and um, you know, over the course of the weekend, I'd get to know them. They get to know me. Um, you know, they by game two, they've already figure out figured out the you know how you carry a game and what stuff they can do to provide and help you out and all that stuff. So, um, so that was fun. You know, it's like sitting and doing something with the Red Wings. It's like. Uh, I don't know, normally, no offense to, to Ken Cal, who I like a lot, but, you know, normally it would sicken me because you're you're supposed to be uh, enemies, mortal enemies when you're playing against each other, right? But I uh, had a great time on that one. And then uh, yesterday, uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I I had no idea who was there for Toronto to do the games. And when I saw Todd Crocker, who, when I broke into the American Hockey League Back in 1999, he was working for the Hamilton Bulldogs when I went to Syracuse. And then after a couple of years, he he moved on to do some bigger and better TV stuff. You know, he got big into the TV stuff. And, um, and he ended up leaving that job. And I hadn't seen him forever. And I ran into him on the street, and I looked at him. I said, are you doing the Marlies games? Which the Toronto Marlies are the AHL affiliate and – I knew the Marley's broadcaster was there, and he looked at me and he said, "Yeah," and and I was so happy, and he and he was so fun. Uh, yesterday, I'm sure somebody's going to say, "Well, you know, you could have talked a little bit more about the game. You goofed around too much." I, it, listen, it was so fun. It w- it was so fun. It was such a different perspective, and uh, we really did. We really had a good time. I thought Dylan Tyre did a a great job in everything that he did on the air with uh, with all of us, and especially yesterday, kind of hosting with Todd and I. Uh, we did. We had a great time. We had a great time. Um, we did what we thought was good work, and we got to see those young players put in good work uh, all around on the weekend. So, yes, Teresa, it was a good time. Um, prospects surprising me, I said, about uh, Jordan Demay. Uh, I don't know. I Maybe surprise is too big of a word. For him, um, you know, who are some other guys? I thought that um, Samuel Konoshko, he was. Uh, I think he he had a goal, one of those goals in that seven to one win over St. Louis yesterday. He had a couple of chances that were uh, really good, really good opportunities. Uh, Roman Ashawn yesterday, I, that poor guy, he had a, he got awarded a penalty shot. He had a shorthanded breakaway, and he couldn't bury either one of those. Um, but uh, I thought he was strong yesterday. I thought he looked good yesterday. He was a guy that was a healthy scratch in game one, and uh, I thought he showed up uh, well against both Detroit and against Toronto in the final two games. Um, Ed Epley says, Who was your biggest surprise? Rate the various teams' talent from worst to best. Well, I told you about surprises. Um, when you say rate the team's Talent from worst to best. I are are you talking about? I think you're talking about the other teams that were there: St. Louis, Dallas, Detroit, and um, and who else was there? St. Louis, Dallas. Oh, Toronto. I just talked about them for crying out loud! I can't even remember them. Uh, we didn't play Dallas. I, I watched Dallas play against St. Louis, but I I watched it while I was talking, and I wasn't. I mean, it was going on. I was looking at it; it was going on. I wasn't watching it intently. I wasn't breaking it down. I was talking with people that I haven't seen in a long, long time. So, um, but from the teams, the teams they played, I thought St. Louis was terrible. Not just because the Blue Jackets beat them seven to one; they had two first-round picks that I didn't even see during the game. Then um, the only thing they had is physical play, and that worked a little bit late in the first period, and then it went away. Uh, Detroit, I, I thought I thought Detroit was good. I did. And you would expect them to be good. They're rebuilding. Steve Eiserman is rebuilding that franchise. Now, he went out this summer, and he got a lot of uh, name players as free agents that he can plug in and buy time for when these younger guys are ready to go. But they had some good players there, and... Some players that will uh, probably will become household names in Detroit in the next couple of years. So I thought they were good. Uh, Toronto, t- um, Toronto's tough. I hesitate for a second because it was a hard-fought game. But the Toronto Maple Leafs could have, they, they could have blown the Blue Jackets away in that final game yesterday afternoon. The Blue Jackets had terrible defensive breakdowns from probably midway through period number one through the end of regulation. And Toronto kept getting chances on the goalies, one-on-one. Odd-man rushes, two-on-one, three-on-one. And they were missing the net. They were hitting the post, or there was a great save made on them. They couldn't buy a goal if they tried. And then the Blue Jackets tie it late and win it in overtime. That You know, if that was a regular season game, well, if it was a playoff game, it would be really crushing. But if that was a regular season game, that would be a devastating game to lose for Toronto. It wasn't – it didn't mean anything in the big scheme of things, so they'll live with it. But um, but how are they? It would be easy to say, well, you know, they. I, I think they do have some guys there. They're pretty talented. They do have some players. They do have some players. Um, that Robertson uh, – Nick Robertson – who's been talked about in Toronto for the last couple of years. You know, is it finally his time? Can he crack that lineup? Um, so they do have some guys, but they, they couldn't finish to save their lives in that game anyway. So I don't know exactly how to rate them. But I, I'll tell you this, the, the St. Louis, that one's an easy one to rate after watching that game. Detroit was easy to rate. The other one's kind of, eh, caught in the middle. Timothy Skipper says, I really like all of our defensive prospects going into the tournament, but they're not all going to make it to the show. Between uh, Kanashko, Svozil, and Bjorgvik Holm, who do you like the best and who do you think has the best shot at making the big club a few years from now? Um, Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know. That's so hard to tell. Even after watching three games, it's hard to uh, project – I liked all of them in the tournament. And who says they all can't make it to the show? Or maybe you're saying they all can't make it as a Blue Jacket. Maybe they'd make it and they'd be part of a trade or something and be somewhere else. Um, you know, they, they really like the Bjorkvik home kid, uh, and, and he's big. But I, I didn't have a problem with either of the other guys as well. So that's one, that one's a tough one. I will um, – I'll go Bjorkvik home, and cross my fingers and see if I'm right someday. How's that? You made me pick one, so I just picked one. It's the best I can do <laughs> right now. After three game sample size, maybe uh, maybe during camp we'll probably play two games of uh, two preseason games, and I'll say, "Boy, what is wrong with me? This other guy is really jumping off the page right now." Who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Uh, What is this, Tessomantiki? After watching the Prospects tournament, do you think that Kent Johnson is more or less likely to start the season as a center? Now, this is a good question. I like this question um, because you're talking about projecting through the camp. He's going to play center in camp. He's going to play center in preseason games. How many? That's a question. I don't know. And is he... I think he's less likely to start the season as a center. Now, I say that with a caveat. My caveat is, is Boone Jenner really 100% ready from his back injury last year? He says he is. And if he is, then Kent Johnson probably very easily gets pushed to the wing. But they will look at him. They will look at him as a centerman. He never played on the wing in that tournament. They never moved him. All three games he played at center. They are going to play him in preseason games at center. How many? I don't know. How long? I don't know. But I would think, I would guess, it would be my educated guess, that as long as Boone Jenner is 100% ready to go, then Kent Johnson more than likely slides back to the wing. If Boone Jenner for some reason wouldn't be able to go, then having Kent Johnson act as a centerman would be uh, a very nice. It'd be a nice consolation prize, and I, I don't mean that to diss either of the players I'm talking about here. Um, you know, Boone Jenner has. I mean, last year he was great before he got hurt. He was terrific. He's playing as a top line centerman, putting up the points that he was putting up. He was great, but Kent Johnson. You know, they think he can be the future at that position. So um, he's going to play there. I I don't know. I don't think he starts the season as a centerman. But as I said, the caveat is if if Boone Jenner is healthy, then I think that makes it tougher for Kent to start uh, the regular season as a centerman. All right. Now, John Poston has put this very simply. Based on what you have seen this week in Traverse City, who impressed the most? And he gives me choices, which I like the best. Yerchek, Dumay, or Matechuk. All right, I'm going to tell you this. Surprise and impress, I'm going to separate into two categories. Why is that? Because I told you that Dumay surprised me. So I, I'm going to take him out of the answer on this one um, because I, I feel it's a little bit different. I really liked how Matechuk played. I really did. He didn't... Like, he didn't get a goal to show for it or anything like that, but I liked how he played. I like how he skates. I like how he, um, he just creates. He's just all over the place. He's creating opportunities. I like that. So he is my honorable mention. However, however, out of those three who impressed me the most, David Yerchek. And let me tell you what seals the deal for me on that. Okay? Yesterday... He scores a goal 30 seconds into the game. He's surprised. He just throws a wrist shot in there and it goes in. It's a bad goal given up by the goaltender. Okay? I mean good on David. He got he, good for him. He got the goal. He put it on net. He got the goal. But the goaltender uh, one of those shots he would say, yeah, I, I should have had that. All right. Fine. So he gets that and he's surprised and he's happy and he celebrates and that's good. Let's fast forward all the way to the end of regulation. And first of all, I thought David Yurichek, this is the other thing that seals the deal for me. He was shooting the puck like he was bombing it yesterday. I mean, he was blasting it. The first one was a weak little wrist shot that went in. After that, he was trying to blow it right through the chest of the goalie because he was using that heavy shot that he has. But at the end of regulation, he had two chances Maybe three, but definitely two chances. Sound like Rain Man there, didn't I? Definitely two. Definitely two. Definitely two chances. Uh, he, he had those chances, and he was hammering that thing. He was trying so hard to end that game in regulation. So hard. And I'll tell you how hard it was. When the horn sounded or the buzzer sounded there, he was mad. He like slammed his stick mad. He didn't want to play overtime. He wanted to end it, and and he wanted to be the guy that ended it. And I loved that. I absolutely loved it, watching that, because he's a competitor. He wants to do well for him. He wants to do well for his team. He wanted to end that game in regulation, and he was just dropping bombs on that guy. Just The puck would come in his direction. He would crank that stick back and fire. Didn't work out, and he wasn't happy about it. I love that. That shows character to me. I loved it. Loved everything about it. Would, uh, would I have loved it if it went in? Yeah, of course I would have loved it if it went in. But then I wouldn't have gotten to see that sweet wraparound by Kirill Marchenko, which was just, it was, he was, you couldn't even blink before that guy was around the net. And you know what helped on that play? Kent Johnson was out there. You know, the goalie has got to account for both of those guys. Is he going to pass it to Kent, who's standing in the slot? No, he's not. And by the time you figure that out, Marchenko's already got it behind you and the game's over. So, um, yeah, that would have been fun if Yurchik would have won it, but it was it was nice for Marchenko. Again, I think they all come out of that with confidence going into camp. Yurchik knows. He took some really good shots there at the end. He knows it. He can feel good about that. Uh, Kent Johnson had a terrific tournament. He can feel good about that. Marchenko comes up with a couple of goals in the tournament, including the the game winner in overtime. He feels good about that. You know, gives you a chance to springboard and get into the the camp that counts right now, the camp that counts. All right, before we wrap things up today, because I, I've I've got a busy <laughs> I get a busy schedule. Just get back from Traverse City and got to go right to New York City which are, they're, they're very similar, you know, Traverse City, New York City. It's, it's, they're like uh, sister cities, something like that, right? No, not really. Um, but anyway, the NHL broadcast meetings are in New York City, so go in there, a very quick, two days' worth of meetings, and then back for uh, the start of training camp later here this week. So uh, I got one more question that was sent to me, and here it is. Hey, Bob. It's the Cincy Jackets fan from Cincinnati, Ohio. The Cleveland Browns put their mascot, Brownie, at the center of their football field on the 50-yard line. Um, It's cute. It's fun.
1: Actually, I kind of like it. But how would you feel about Stinger at center ice at Nationwide Arena? I think uh, I might tweet this
0: out to Stinger, too because Stinger should be involved in this. I think he'd like to know your
1: answer. Um, One more question for you. Uh, How do you think Kent Johnson looked at center ice at the prospects tournament? Thanks, Bob, for all you do, and I appreciate your time.
0: Well, you already know my answer to the last part of the question when it comes to Kent Johnson, because we've gone over that ad nauseum through this show. So that one you already know. As far as the other one, Stinger at center ice. Stinger at center ice. Stinger at Center Ice. Stinger at Center Ice? Um, I love Stinger. Who doesn't love Stinger, right? Who doesn't love that green bee? Center Ice, I don't know. Here's my concern if you were to put Stinger, put his picture on at Center Ice. Um, You know, he's, uh, I just wouldn't want him to get a big head. Oh wait, he actually—he already has a big head. Uh, you know, I just wouldn't want to overinflate his ego. You know, um, I don't know how he would handle it. It might be too much. It might be too much too soon. He would tell me that it. There's no way it would be too much. That that he could handle the extra added stardom and all that. But that's really not a pressure I would want to put on him. You know, that that's a lot of pressure. That's that's a lot to live up to and. A lot to put up with that kind of pressure. So for those reasons I would have to say no. I would have to say no. And I'm sure Stinger will let me know his opinion on what I've had to say, but I, I'm I'm just looking out for him. I really am. I'm I'm just looking out for him and I, I want him to, to enjoy life. I don't I don't want him to be under any more stress because of the, the added pressure of that celebrity, and stardom like that. I just, I, I would hate to see that. You know, you see some celebrities, they, they think they can handle it, and then they go down a dark path, and I, I don't want that for him. I don't want that for him at all. So for those reasons, again, I respectfully say no. Thank you for all your questions today. It has been great. Uh, great to go to Traverse City and watch the young players and see how they adjusted to what was going on there over the course of the weekend, and it's going to be great to see a lot of them in this NHL camp and see the adjustments that they make in their game to try to make the Blue Jackets. Everybody here this week wants to be a Blue Jacket when the puck drops on opening night. Not all are going to have that opportunity. Some, they have their names etched in stone. Others, well, they're looking to pull up a stone and put in a new one that has their name etched into it. So we'll find out what happens as we go along this week. Uh, Big week when it comes to uh, broadcasting because the Inside Edge returns this week. Jody Shelley and I on Wednesday, 7 o'clock, at the flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, 97.1 The Fan. So you can look for us doing that. And you can look for the Blue Jackets hitting the ice. They're on the ice when? First on ice is on Thursday, Thursday is the first on-ice session. Hey, the first preseason games, uh, not just one, two, a doubleheader coming up on Sunday in Pittsburgh at 1 o'clock, at home at Nationwide Arena at 7 o'clock. So there's there's not a lot of time before they will be on the ice and you, you will watch these players compete in full uniform against another team. And I can't wait can't wait. Thanks for all your questions today. Again, you can send them to me anytime via my email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com or on Twitter at bobbymacksports. That'll do it for the Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.